Welcome to the Wrestle Down. Wrestle Down. Um, where we talk wrestling and we we try to be uh, we love wrestling. <laughs> There's not much of an angle here. So compelling. Just two dudes who love graps. And a cat named Keaton. Yes, it's uh, I'm I'm Jer Palapo, Twitter.com swing dingling. This is my co-host, uh, Dennis Bruno, Sensei Denny B. On Twitter, DBruno42 on Instagram. And of course our mascot, uh, Keaton the Kitten Man. My little buddy. Keaton the cat. He will be a cat boy someday. <laughs> he will probably never make it there. <laughs> he started a cat man. He will always be a cat man. Cat man. <laughs> macho man Randy Savage didn't become a macho boy eventually either. <laughs> so <laughs> Next week featuring Kitty Poffo. <laughs> oh man, how you doing, dude? I'm doing very good. I am very excited to talk about the New Japan Cup now that yeah. it is wrapped up and everything that goes greatly with that. Awesome, awesome. But first, our first segment, as always, the Fast Count. One, two, three. Uh, where we will uh, pick a match or two to talk about and, uh, that we love and that you think that we should, or that we think you should check out. Uh, from the past week, it doesn't have to be something that happened this week, but if we saw something, you know, our, some in, like, the deep archives of the internet, then fucking whatever, let's have at it. So, uh, do you want to start? I would love to. So, uh, Jer and I, we are broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, more or less, and Beyond Wrestling is one of the indie feds for wrestling that we get to go to. Yeah. Uh, Purple Haze in Worcester, Massachusetts is one of the venues that we have been to, oh. and that is where I saw match i'd like to talk about orange cassidy versus david Starr. oh really okay um technically uh, electric haze is actually the name of the thing oh you're but, right yes uh yeah how was it when was this this was uh it was uploaded to their youtube account on december 24th so okay. i want to say it was right before the new year and right after christmas okay yeah i've, I've actually seen i watched this match but i was kind of distracted so like mm. let's let's talk through it how did that work out so, initially, and this is no disrespect to David Starr or uh, Orange Cassidy, because I've seen both live and they're excellent. The match length is about 35 minutes, True. which, yeah. for any indie main event, um, you have to be ready for a time commitment because they're going to do long-term storytelling for a main event match. Um, Orange Cassidy deliberately is very slow. He's very methodical. And that's part of how you enjoy him, is that he'll just he'll take a beating like a Sami Zayn or yeah. Johnny Gargano for three quarters, if not the majority of the match, and then make some kind of comeback. Yes, his character is very lackadaisical. Right. Very just slow and, like, you think he doesn't care, mm -hmm. but something snaps in him, like, during the matches, and usually he, you know, mounts some offense to show that he does care. Exactly. And the everything that Orange Cassidy does is deliberate because of the design of his character, as you know. Mm -hmm. And with David Starr, everything has to revolve around him because the attention grabbing is in his name. His last mm -hmm. name is Starr. Yes. And so this it immediately starts with the two of them going at it just in the intro. David Starr has his overly long, um, <laughs> on-purpose introduction with his million monikers, which are all great. And yes. all he, he can recite them by heart as he's being introduced. <laughs> Orange... Cassidy's counter to this yeah. is to write his own on a Dunkin' Donuts napkin, <laughs> which the announcer, I don't want to spoil any of what it actually says, just gets halfway through, and Orange Cassidy's stream of consciousness bleeds over into the napkin and says, I don't remember why I started this. <laughs> and that's how they start the match. Oh. Um, he gets beaten down for, again, the first 20, 15, 20 minutes. And like you said, it gets to the point in the match where he snaps and he shows that he knows how to wrestle. Right. So... One of the brilliant things about freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy is that he uses an ankle lock. Right. So when people start to get behind him in his rallies and stuff, he gets David Starr in an ankle lock. They're yelling, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. He hits some, like, major offense on Starr and doesn't, and it looks like he's going to win. And I, I don't want to say how it ends for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's it's totally worth the watch. Yeah, definitely. I uh, When I was first checking out Orange Cassidy, that was one of the matches that I, I first watched. Um, it's very good. Mm. And I'm very happy that like Beyond Wrestling puts up that kind of like free matches just on their YouTube channel, and we'll talk about them a little bit more later. Yep. Uh, match I wanted to highlight uh, last week, 205 Live ended their uh, now seemingly annual uh, 
tournament for the WWE Championship opportunity, uh, which will pay off in WrestleMania. Yep. Uh, this this year, uh, they had a or this year the the winner of this tournament will will face Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania, who's been unstoppable mm. for roughly half a year, maybe eight months or so. Yeah, since he won the title in Australia. Yes. When was that? It was like summer? Super Showdown. I want to say it was October. October. It seems longer. Okay, yeah. Yeah. seems like it's been a while, but he's been amazing ever since he debuted on 205 Live during another one of their tournaments. They just love tournaments on there. Um, It's a good way of getting a bunch of people into matches, not Mm. expected combinations. Uh, This um, finals, though, Came down to Cedric Alexander, who mm-hmm. effectively has been the face of 205 Live, the the top uh, face, top good guy. And Tony Nice, who kind of flies under the radar a lot mm-hmm. on 205 Live, because he's um, probably less charismatic. Uh, yeah, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. They've yeah. given him promo time, and mm-hmm. he's had one appearance in NXT that I can remember, and each time he just, he, he doesn't have a lot of comfort on the mic. That's right, it. yeah. And he's, uh, compared to what people expect from these, like, lightweight uh, wrestlers, he's definitely not a high flyer. He's much more of a strong guy. Yep. You know, just, uh, his, his gimmick is that he has eight abs. Yep. Um, he has a window in his gear, so you can see all of them. Yes, uh, but then, so the finals came down to that. But the twist with Tony Nice uh, is that he's Buddy Murphy's uh, training partner, friend and training partner. So muscle buddy, yeah, muscle friends, muscle friends. Eric Bugenhagen, what are you doing here? Party in. Um, <laughs> I don't know what he's. I don't forget who his, who his voice sounds like, but. Um, <laughs> You know, when it came down to Cedric Alexander versus Tony Nese, I thought, oh, they might uh, have Cedric Alexander, whose storyline since losing the title has been that uh, he's in a slump. He's fighting his way back to that title scene. He's going to get it. And they gave the win to Tony Nese, which is a big surprise, but it was an excellent match with great back-and-forth action. Uh, Both of them are fantastic at strikes and selling. Uh, Nese's storyline throughout the tournament has been overcoming uh, obstacles that he can't, he couldn't get over before, including uh, Drew Gulak and, and the, another excellent match, and he and Buddy Murphy are now the only two people who have kicked out of the lumbar check, yep. which is Cedric Alexander's uh, finisher. So yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, two hundred five live is always great. It's always flying under the radar. I want to highlight it whenever I can because it is a great uh, wrestling show. It's probably in ring, um, in terms of just straight in-ring action, the most consistent thing WWE does. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I I mean, we mainly talk about WWE when we get together, and I make as much time as I can each week for WWE stuff. I, I can't watch Raw and SmackDown Live anymore because I just I have too busy a schedule, plus all the commercials and filler material. But, like, 205 Live is always one of those coin flip shows for me every week. Mm-hmm. Like, I make time for NXT. I make time for, thankfully, all the, like, truncated YouTube segments for Raw and SmackDown to catch or, up. Yeah. Um, and there are even accounts that will, like, take all the commercial breaks out and skip you through all of the mm, segments yeah. for Raw SmackDown. But I, I don't even do any of that for 205 Live, basically because I know you watch it and yeah. because you're passionate about it. And also, like, true to exactly what you're saying, the interaction is incredible, and it's kind of... If you took all of the Super Juniors from New Japan mm. and let them work right. for about 45 minutes every week, it's what you get, but it's also very similar, but not intentionally in terms of crowd noise. Yes, yeah. It's, it's filmed right after SmackDown. Right. The crowd is done. They they hit the emotional pop on purpose from SmackDown ending. So yeah, they saw their big stars that they came to see, so you right. kind of... You got to get used to watching some great matches with uh, terrible audio, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're a huge wrestling fan, so mm-hmm. am I, and you, uh, I mean, we both enjoy specific aspects of wrestling more than others. You love technical wrestling mm-hmm. and the execution of it, and 205 Live is like an ice cream sundae for that. Oh, yeah, it definitely is, yeah. Uh, if, I, if there's one drawback is that I think they don't have enough to do with everybody, so, right. like, every, uh, you know, there's a lot of, it's the wrestling is always great, but it does feel like they kind of assemble a random 
hodgepodge of uh, heel wrestlers that face the Lucha House Party. Yeah. I kind of wish they had tag titles for that reason, but... It would be good. I, I would also want a bigger roster, but oh, yeah. I feel like the, the counter-argument to that, WWE easily could say, was we already don't do enough with who we have. Why yeah. would we add more? Right. Uh, I mean, and they, they've only fired one guy who is actively wrestling. Well, mm-hmm. they fired Rich Juan and, uh, for other reasons, but, like, they got rid of TJP. And... And to Tommy, actually. So that's like... Three. And, yeah. I mean, his contract was running out, and I, I yeah. or he asked for his release, one of the two, but, like, straight up, they they aren't adding to um, 205, which is good and bad. I, You and I have talked about this with other friends. If they moved the time slot or the taping from after SmackDown, it would be more compelling, but until then, it's it's good for what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the, it does suffer from the roster being kind of stagnant, right. but... It is good um, weekly action, and it's only an hour long, which I think helps a lot, especially. We're literally recording this during SmackDown, yep. <laughs> because uh, I can catch up with that later. Same. Yeah. Like Pretty much what happens before I go to bed on Monday and Tuesday nights is that there's a YouTube account, there's mm-hmm. many, that are devoted to... In real time, truncating Raw and SmackDown. Oh, really? So I and it's it's basically shown in like two times or three times motion, or that's just edited that way. So oh, I can smart. I can catch everything in like fifteen and three quarters of the time. Oh, that's that's actually pretty good. I usually wait for uh, the Hulu cut of mm. SmackDown, and I'll usually just watch the highlights of Raw because why waste three hours of my life every Monday? Well, if you really want to see how Braun Strowman's going to fight two comedians at WrestleMania, <laughs> you watch three hours of Raw. Um, as a comedian, <laughs> if I can make it to WrestleMania without learning to wrestle, uh, I'm going to tune in. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to step on your dreams. I can't. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, do you have any other matches you want to highlight? I didn't actually get to watch too much uh, individual wrestling. In terms of like watching matches start to finish, we, we were talking a little bit before we started. Um, I, I always seek out anything on uh, New Japan World with uh, Yano or Colt mm. Cabana. Colt yeah. Cabana. Um, so absolutely his tag match, uh, Colt Cabana and Yano's, where it's Delirious Cheeseburger and Cabana versus Yano and his two partners. Okay, yeah. Because uh, I think that was, that was the ROH New Japan crossover one. Because um, this, this is like an angsty like teenage part of me that's still very bitter that I didn't follow Ring of Honor during Age of the Fall. Yeah. So anytime I see Delirious, I feel like I missed out. Yeah. So I always just watch him very eagerly because there is nobody who wrestles like him in terms of just speaking full time ragtime. Right. Cheeseburger is <laughs> like legally. I think if he got any thinner, he wouldn't be allowed to wrestle. Right. He's like a stick. He's as close to a, a walking talking stick. Yeah. Uh, who wrestles that you can get? Who? I think he's got the similar vibe to like Ginny in a way. Yeah. She's also very skinny, but like she's against. Uh, Opponents that are generally her size, right? Too though. So yeah, it was Cheeseburger and our and uh, Delirious and Cabana versus Yano, and I can't remember Yano's partners, but any I I just really appreciate comedy wrestling. Like mm-hmm. we started by talking about David Starr and Orange Cassidy, Hell yeah, because of everything to do with the vaudeville aspect of wrestling and the variety show aspect of wrestling. You have guys who specifically focus on being really funny. So right. Delirious speaks in gibberish and will bounce his own head off turnbuckles. And Yano will try to tempt people with ramen and DVDs. And, <laughs> and he'll distract the ref so he can get at the uh, the turnbuckle pads. And much use like, them. Much like, like Keaton is trying to get up the walls <laughs> for some reason right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, Yano and Keaton see things that we don't. And they try to get their paws on things to use as weapons. Right. And it's endearing as hell. Yeah. I know, comedy wrestling's underrated mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, just because, like, everybody who's a great comedy wrestler is just a great wrestler. Right. To be able to uh, see through the, I don't know, the, the, the theatrics of it and, like, poke holes. And right. You know, your Joey Ryans, your Session Moths of the world. Um, yep. So, that has been the Fast Count. One, two, fast. three, faster, faster, faster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... For our second segment, I think we wanted to talk about, um, I mean, we wanted to talk about the New Japan Cup, because as with every tournament New Japan does, it eats about a quarter of our year. Yes. So, and I I think you said you didn't watch all of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch uh, the mixed tag matches that were happening in the uh, in the, the first half of every show, because right. it was like a month, it was a month's worth of tournament action, yeah. where half the sh- Half of each show didn't really matter, 
And uh, yeah, they, this year they expanded the field to uh, a record number of 32 wrestlers. Yep. Uh, some surprises in store, and um, overall, I thought it was a really good tournament. I enjoyed it a whole lot. I thought that, uh, like you said with the surprises, it's unfortunate that David Fenley hurt his shoulder mm, and had yeah. to get replaced, but he got replaced by Rusuke Taguchi, yes. who is technically a junior. Mm-hmm. In the promo package that they played before each of the installments of the New Japan Cup, they bill him as a junior. They bill Osprey as a junior still. Yeah. And... He added a ton because, like so many wrestlers in New Japan and any wrestling company, he helps balance out the field because he wrestles like nobody else. Right, and and he was excellent throughout this uh, this year. Really, it's been yeah. a really good year for him. Yep, um, he helped heat up Bone Soldier Taji Ishimori. Mm-hmm. He had a really good showing in the tournament, all the way up to his loss to Tanahashi. Right, and that honestly, it just in and of itself, that microcosm of a matchup: Ryusuke Taguchi versus um, Tanahashi. It's two guys who were hugely influential and still are to the company who yep. just got to show, got to showcase against each other in one of the biggest tournaments of their year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Taguchi's so good. Mm. Um, the dream of him being the 69th IWGP heavyweight champion <laughs> is still alive. <laughs> Even though he didn't win the tournament, yep. he could somehow get a shot against Jay White later on. Yeah. Um, All he's got to do is pin him. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. But that was a that was a good match on yeah. its own because I, the interesting about um, Hiroshi Tanahashi this um, tournament has been that he's protecting his knees, yep. which he consistently did every match. He didn't go for his normal finisher. He won in a lot of creative ways and got pretty far in the tournament without a lot of his moveset. Right. I mean, it, it exactly what you said. He. Uh, he does a frog splash as well, if not better, than Eddie Guerrero or Rob Van Dam, who were just like the watermarks for frog splashes. Yep. And he didn't use it. So it it's always great when you can see a wrestler like Tanahashi, who has tons of years of experience, who can yeah. just remake his moveset at will. And he did. And he beat, uh, I'm pretty sure this is true, he beat Zack Sabre Jr. Right. He beat Zack Sabre Jr. without his best move, which right. Zack Sabre Jr. has been like the tournament killer every year in terms of like no one can beat him in terms right that's his that was Sabre's first uh first New Japan Cup loss after he you know answered the first time last year and won the whole thing right um and he did a very good job this year against uh who did he oh he beat Ibushi yep um yeah and he lost to Tanahashi yep uh yeah it's crazy it's crazy to watch somebody like Tanahashi who's essentially New Japan's John Cena yeah um kind of reinvent himself later in the in his career I, I've been talking with Patrick a lot about mm. this in that he, he physically can't move the way that he used to. If, if you watch him, especially if you watch his um, Wrestle Kingdom match against Omega this year, yeah, his back doesn't flex. Right. And like, it's the same thing that happened to late career Shawn Michaels and also Ric Flair post-back injury. Mm. They're so afraid or they're so physically unable to move that part of their body that they have to readjust, which is honestly a testament to their ability just to do that. Yeah. Because, I mean, he doesn't move the same way, but he still moves swiftly. He doesn't look like... The the person who I always compare people to in terms of immobility is the great Kali. Mm. He was too tall to be able to, like, bend and flex and do anything, like, technically wrestling. But they just had him stand really tall and move his arms and legs as much as they could. Yeah. So it, it sucks to compare somebody like Hiroshi <laughs> Tanahashi to the great yeah. Kali, but he can't move his back, really. No, yeah, he's just... But he is, like using everything else and he's got a really great uh he's got a great mind for wrestling really because yeah. you can see like when the crowd's not as into him he'll switch it up a little bit and be a little dirtier and a little meaner it's a little uh context um context sensitive uh work from him right do you know the name of his book when um new japan finished its transition from like the enoki era to when it got bought by yuke's video uh, game company i did not uh, please look it up. I'm going to mangle it, but it's a delightful title. It's called um, How Hiroshi Tanahashi Saved New Japan Pro Wrestling. It, it does not get shorter. It, it, it's the longest fucking title. I'm pretty sure the cover is just all words and with like a hit picture of him in front of skyscrapers, um, which totally to his credit. I've been watching a lot of videos kind of in prep for our meeting, but also to get a better understanding of like how New Japan almost like folded a bunch of times in the 2000s when everybody but the WWE was really doing shitty. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, you and I both know about just, like, the, the three-headed dragon that helped New Japan get back on top, which was, or get back on track. Katsuyori Shibata, uh, 
Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Shinsuke Nakamura. So the three of them, just kind of in a big circle, worked with everybody who was still around in the company, including Tenzai, or Albert, or uh, Matt, I forget his last name, um, who we know as Albert from the WWE, and uh, what eventually became the Bullet Club, and right. uh, Toki Makabe, Toki Makabe, and it spawned uh, Revolution and Chaos, mm-hmm. and the beginning of Bullet Club, and... Uh, I'm forgetting Super 69 or whatever it was with um, Finn Balor or Prince Devitt and um, ACH and Ryusuke Taguchi. It was something 69, yeah. yeah. It was like Super 69 maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically while all of that stuff was getting primed to start, mm-hmm. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Shinsuke, and eventually Shibata took the company, put the company on their backs. Right. And took it from the horrible, really bad idea of getting Brock Lesnar post-WWE lawsuit, you can't wrestle anymore as champion, because Antonio Inoki thought, yep, we'll just do that. Right. And dragged it all the way from the doldrums of, like, crossing over with MMA and, like, having Yuji Nagata and Shinsuke get the shit kicked out of them by legitimate MMA dudes in K1 and, like, Strikeforce fights. Right. To back to just focusing on professional wrestling. Yeah. So, like, Fujita uh, was one of those dudes who, like helped transition as well but like it was Tanahashi who really did the bulk of the lifting yeah. so like John Cena or like any workhorse dudes who are the centerpiece of a company he gets carte blanche to do whatever he wants because he did right. all of the hard work when, yeah. when stuff was really bad yes and he was and he I mean he's been with them for so long and he stayed in fantastic shape like yep. um maybe two years ago I was thinking oh he's got to be close to done now and mm-hmm. then uh, his run in the G1 last year and this uh New Japan Cup have been like amazing. His ability to not only protect but really enhance his image because mm. you and I, um, especially last year when well, you more than me, um, I was starting to really get into New Japan mm. when Okada was cutting his promo ahead of his title breaking title defense, mm. uh, which was he needed one more title defense to break the record. Mm. Um, and Tanahashi came out, and not only did Tanahashi came out, he came out looking like a fucking runway model <laughs> with immaculate hair, uh, like a perfect tan, yeah. and an outfit that like you would not expect a wrestler to be wearing. He knows how to look, right. and he knows how to represent New Japan or just anything that should be spearheaded by a guy who will make you pay money to see him. Yeah. There's a showmanship there that only a handful of guys in pro wrestling, or really most businesses, have. Yeah, he's he's got the image down yeah. very well, um, and what an impressive run! And he didn't even uh, get to the no, well, he got to the semifinals, but not the finals. No, which was a very a big surprise. Yeah, he. Oh, I would. I'm so ready for uh, Sonata's breakout moment. Yes, eventually I, that has to happen sometime. Yeah. I love Los Angeles, not in. I can't. I can't. Los Ingobernables. There you go. They hop on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I I made a bracket uh, with Patrick, and I had uh, Zack Saber versus Okada in the finals, mm-hmm. and um, I thought that the story was going to be Tanahashi versus Ibushi mm-hmm. before that, and I thought that it was going to be another extension of Ibushi can never beat Tanahashi. Yeah. Okada versus Tana was going to be like who gets the honor of fighting Jay White. And it ended up being, or actually, no, I had a Zack Sabre in the finals. I thought Zack Sabre was going to beat everybody's knees up, and I yep. thought Okada was going to beat him. Like, oh, Zack Sabre never loses in tournaments, but yeah. Okada did it for the honor of killing Jay White <laughs> right. in New York. Um, but it was Sonata. Yeah, I know. I was surprised. I, I'm always rooting for Sonata. Yeah. I, the downside, I think, is that like Sonata is usually in a tag team with Evil, yep. uh, representing Wilson Garbernables. And um, I think the. New Japan Tag Division kind of needs their star power, yeah. which is the one thing, I think, keeping them back from, like, he or Evil really breaking out as single stars, which is too bad, but... Yeah. I mean, another point that Patrick made, of just, like, if you're going to build a company around, like, main event talent, mm-hmm. so he he did an exercise with me, which I loved, which was, like, name... If you're going to say who's the face of New Japan, mm-hmm. name name your top guy. So I said Okada. He mm-hmm. said, cool, who else? I said Tama. And then I said Naito. And yeah. then I said Ibushi. And then I forgot who to say next yeah i mean it should be jay white who's the champion but i didn't think to say him next um it should be guys like sonata to mm. your point yeah and then i tried to talk to him about how evil should be in the conversation and he was like no his his name is just all evil in capital <laughs> letters i know i had i had a very similar conversation with my friend alicia yeah uh, the other day like i i think the company's high on evil but i'm not as into him 
as I think New Japan wants me to be. Right. I mean, they keep putting him in these like semi big title situations, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think there's like there's something there, and he just needs to make like a little change to what he does, and I think he'll click. But Sonata, he's he's there. Yep. He's he's got the skills. Yep. The crowd is very into him. He's hot as fuck. Yeah. Like. Yep. Um. It's a handsome dude. Yeah. And uh, I think that eventually he's gonna get there, but it's just gonna maybe he has to wait for uh, one of the current big four or five to you know leave. To leave to get injured. I mean. Yeah. We, we were just talking about Tanahashi and his knees. Part of that's legitimate. Part of that is theater. But right. if he ever needs to take a break, which he never will, he's like Naito. He shows up to everything. <laughs> right. Um, there will be room for him. And Ibushi is always a wild card anyway. I mean, I don't think anybody 100% expected him to leave as part of the Golden Lovers with Omega or with the Elite. Yeah. But he's still around. The crowd loves him, and they should. Yeah. So with Sonata, I, I, in watching the finals, in re-watching his match with Suzuki from the New Japan Cup, in watching his match with Tanahashi, he has 80% of the tools to get mm-hmm. to the top. Yeah. And I think that... What's missing is I don't think that he really understands how to play fully into the tranquilo part that mm, Naito does. Yeah. I don't think he has the confidence of Okada. Right. Cause in part because he's not as tall, he's not as muscular, but it, it's never about, like, what what does he what doesn't he have that other people do? It's more of, like, what does he need to do for himself more? Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with, like, snappier execution of his moveset. I mm. think he... Like, in the, we're conditioned, I'm conditioned by WWE to think he needs, like, a signature look or a signature catchphrase yeah. to really kind of connect with people. There's something missing. I don't think it's any one thing, but no. I think that he's right on the cusp. Right. He's, I think, uh, more character would be my thing. Yeah. Because he's, the, his in-ring stuff is phenomenal. Right. It's just like, you know, yeah, you can, some things could be snappier here or there, whatever, but like... You can make it on not being the most fluid wrestler or whatever. But, like, yeah. I think it just a little character thing would go a long way with him. And then, then the sky's the fucking limit, man. Right. But, like, his match with Tanahashi was amazing and a very big surprise ending because I think New Japan plays off of uh, Okada and Tanahashi as these, like, dueling generations kind of thing uh, multiple times per year. You kind of expect them to do that again, especially because both of them have history with Jay White. Right. Um, but then Sonata not only winning, but tapping out Tanahashi right. was a big surprise. Submission wrestling is something that, at least WWE North American-based, mm-hmm. is more on the indies it's taken more seriously. It's like, oh my goodness, like that guy gave up, and that's a huge deal. Yeah. The WWE, it's 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 a ending to a match. It, right. It's rarely played up as like added drama, but yeah. to what you're saying, Tanahashi doesn't give up. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of his John Cena part, like uh, analog as far as like North American wrestling goes. But he's very hard to beat, even right. though he's older and he's past his like absolute prime. So it means a lot when you beat somebody like Ibushi, when you beat somebody like Tanahashi, mm-hmm. when you beat somebody like Tomohiro Ishii, because right. they are all guys who are billed as super tough on top of being super talented. Right. So it means something when you're somebody like Sonata, who's more laid back but serious and serious mm-hmm. enough to technically beat you. Yeah. Oh man. I know, and he, yeah, he worked the the legs and the neck and uh, got the win over Tanahashi, which is a pretty big deal. And then he got into the finals with uh, Okada, who had a pretty easy time going through the uh, the tournament right up until he hit uh, Tomohiro Ishii, yep. who was essentially a brick wall as a man. I love Ishii. Yeah. I love Ishii. I think that um, it's funny. I, I'll never forget my introduction to his style because mm. it was you and me slowed, snowed in. You were watching, showing me Wrestle Kingdom 11 or 10. Uh, yeah, probably, um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I forget exactly which one, but it was the one where he fights Makabe. Okay, yeah. And you fast-forwarded it because you were just like, this is strong style, and I don't have time to explain. <laughs> and you were right, because yeah. I was just, I would have watched two beefy dudes just forearm each other. Yeah. And it's like MMA. I've, I've learned how to watch it and how to appreciate it, mm-hmm. but Ishii is a guy who has a very... I'm not going to call it limited, but specific moveset. Yeah. And if you don't understand the beats to why he's doing those things and why they're important. Right. Like, he d- he has a knife-edge chop to your throat. Yeah. And like, that's one of his signature moves. <laughs> and you got to watch people sell it, because if you you don't, you you think that they missed. Right. But it's intentional. Yeah, he's just, uh, his 90% of his thing is just being tough. Yep. Like, he's he'll take a beating from his opponent for... 65% of a match 
and still keep coming. He's like the the monster in It Follows. Yep. He just keeps coming at you. <laughs> Not the fastest, but once he gets you, he gets you. If, he, if you look at him over your shoulder, he gives you a brain buster. <laughs> and then Toriano pours ramen on you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so he's great for these kind yeah. of like... Uh, I mean, he's great in general, especially for these kind of like... This guy's got to prove that he's tough kind of right. matches, which Okada's needed. Because his storyline ever since losing uh, the title last year has been... Um, he's he's lost his mojo and he's trying to get it back. And he at one point got very into balloons. Yep. Um, I'm gonna miss balloon Okada. Red haired, red pants, balloon Okada. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm also gonna miss the long boys. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <The> long <pants. laughs> boys. Oh my. So one of the many things I love about professional wrestling, yeah. and I also have a degree in business, mm-hmm. is the idea that you can cross promote different like long standing, really successful things, intellectual yeah. properties. As a joke, during his character crisis, Okada, in the summer, started yelling Scooby-Dooby-Doo <laughs> before he was doing crossbodies as, like, a way to pop Will Ospreay. Yeah. Which, also, WWE, long-standing, has been, like, co-promoting really crappy, like, straight-to-DVD <laughs> movies with Scooby-Doo. So I know it's not, it doesn't feel intentional, but I yeah. just feel like it's one of those things where, like, if Warner Brothers turned its heads real fast and just looked overseas, like, oh, we could do that. Yeah. Like, imagine Tiger Mask and Scooby. Oh, I mean, they already have the anime, so you can, like, just cross them over. Yeah. There's so much, like, uh, I love, it, especially where it's just a car crash. I, yeah. I don't want to imagine any kind of logical story where, like, the gang has to has to partner with Tiger Mask to solve a mystery. <laughs> so, at some point, we should probably do an episode about that anime. Mm. Uh, the Tiger Mask W anime, which I didn't finish, but I'll finish it for this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> The, uh, if you don't know, a couple years back, New Japan, I think they like funded an anime uh, about a character called Tiger Mask W. Yep. Um, and every now and then, they'd have characters from the anime wrestle in their real events. And it uh, Kota Ibushi, of course, played Tiger Mask W. Of course he did. Um, they had guys like ACH and others uh, <laughs> playing other... These stupid villains. anime villains. I know. And it was like... At least partially a subtle no, I'm I'm sorry, unsubtle yeah. shade of uh, WWE's global expansion. Yep. It's fascinating to look at. We'll look at it some other time. Um, One of the main villains is a, 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 an appetizer for anybody who really wants to follow up on this. Billy the Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's up there with JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Yep. Um, uh, music references. Um, oh God, but yeah, so good. Uh, the New Japan Cup, Okada had uh, Mikey Nichols, who was freshly released from WWE. Yep. Um, who else did he face in this thing? Uh, it's harder to think of, right? Because, yeah. like you said, it was so easy. And in the brackets, I already, in my mind, had him facing Yoshihashi, because I yeah. thought they were going to wrap back to, there's a bowl in chaos. And, right. And yeah, they never played off so far. No. And I think that they can go back to it at any time. Jay White doesn't really need somebody to take down Chaos because Chaos is already kind of taken down. Yeah, the the brackets um, for this tournament were all um, a lot of Chaos versus Chaos Chaos matchups. Yeah, Ishii versus Yoshihashi. Yep. Um, and I mean the heaviest of their hitters. I mean top of the top of the list is Okada who won, but mm-hmm. Goto lost to Sonata in the first round. Right. And like you said about Ishii, Goto is one of those guys that you beat to prove that you're tough. Mm. And Oh man, is he frustrated? Like the finals episode or taping of New Japan, he's in a six man with Jay White. He gets the crowd. Goto gets the crowd so behind him because he's about to pin Jay White, which would earn him a title shot. Yeah, and and he loses. Yeah. It's the story of Hiroki Goto of just like the eternal knocking on the door, like always a bridesmaid, mm-hmm. never a bride type of dude. Right. And it. <clears throat> Of course he gets beaten by Sonata, who's about to ascend. Yeah. While he's not even on his way down, he's just still at the door. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, Goto's a guy who's been around a while, and I think he's just, he's where he is. You know. know. How many times, and like, he's a guy who's won the New Japan Cup a bunch of times, and mm. won the G1. He's won everything. Yep. Everything. That like, he's your quintessential WWE analog of like, I've done everything I can, why am I not champion? Right. I know. Yeah. Um... Probably because he's just not as exciting as some of his contemporaries, which is, yeah, that happens. Yep. Um, yeah, once, uh, but Okada Ishii, fantastic. Absolutely. Probably the best Okada match uh, up to that point in the tournament. And then we got to the finals, 
Sonata Okada, which those guys have amazing mm. chemistry. They do. They faced off um, uh, for the title last year or the year before that, and it was also excellent. Yep. And, like, one of the best versions of Okada is Shithead Okada. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that in this New Japan Cup, but in his service of his title match with Sonata last year, he basically just built the feud off of, you're not as handsome as you think you are. <laughs> you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah. You don't deserve a title shot, but I'm basically tired of hearing about you, so I'm going to beat you into the ground. Mm-hmm. And he fucking did. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, then crowd, hometown crowd for Sonata. Yep. Um, but still, the crowd got behind Okada by the end, which yep. is pretty impressive. Like, that's some good-ass wrestling. It, it's the reason why there's four big people in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Okada can go anywhere in Japan, which, I mean, it, it's a specific draw, but it's a powerful one. Yeah. Because in terms of worldwide, there's, like, five big wrestling markets like the united states japan mexico england and arguably germany after that yeah that's it mm-hmm. so if you can draw well there while markets like russia and china are trying to get into the biz or like the fandom of it it's a big deal yep yeah yeah so that was uh so yeah it's kind of a continuation of the fast count but we definitely highly recommend that final match between okada and uh sonata and it's um solidifies the card for uh, New Japan's uh, collaboration with ROH at Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania weekend. It's you know it's so weird knowing that like we're going to Mania next week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in Madison Square Garden that that New Japan crossover show. We're going mainly for WrestleMania for at the Meadowlands, which is that Sunday. Yep. I was so more ex- so much more excited for the Ring of Honor portion of that card when mm. the Elite were still involved. Yeah, I know. Because Cody Rhodes made a huge deal when it was announced of hyping it, and now yeah. he's doing AEW. Yeah. So Ring of Honor really has, in a vacuum, it feels, Jay Lethal as their champion mm-hmm. against nobody. Right. Dalton Castle, who I love, but he's a very specific like comedy act, but also like a beefy amateur wrestler type. Yeah. There's nobody else. There's right. the Briscoes as champions. Uh, Skrull. Yeah, scroll in there. Yeah, I like him. I do. I don't think he's there in right. terms of like he's not the, the upper tier. No, yes, yeah. I think that he he's one of those guys that has a level of confidence. But mm-hmm. the closest thing I could compare him to is Dean Malenko, mm-hmm. where he's a better talker. He has yeah. a much better character, but he doesn't have this magnetic charisma that like CM Punk or Daniel Bryan do of a man his size and his technical ability because yeah. he's great in the ring, but. I don't think that the villain in Villain Enterprises is a main event act. Yeah. I think that he got really lucky that he fought Okada at All In last year. Oh, I know, yeah. And it was the longest match on the card. Yeah. But I don't think that he's gotten the rub yet to mm-hmm. do like what Will Ospreay's doing in right. terms of like getting up to the main event. Or arguably what Kofi Kingston's doing in terms of like he hasn't spent as much time as Kofi, but yeah. they're both guys who used to be in the mid card forever mm-hmm. and He's not there yet. Yeah, he'll, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see if, uh, what the future holds for him. Um, God, I know. I was very, I was pretty gung ho about going to the New Japan show up until the Orange Cassidy thing came up. Yeah, I was like, well, that's twenty dollars cheaper, probably mm-hmm. more than twenty dollars cheaper, really. It's and, gonna be way more interactive. Yeah, and, I know. I mean, we we've been talking about it leading up to um both events because we're both going to nxt on friday which is going to uh, be you're not i'm not going to oh, NXT. i'm sorry you are yeah i'm going to nxt so like in terms of just the emotional investment yeah. i don't think like i i think what i'm going to do you put together a spreadsheet of all of the saturday shows yeah. so i think i'm just going to throw a dart at the mm-hmm. wall and whatever it hits is what i'm going to do saturday night cool um because mania is going to be a marathon yeah i know i'm going to rest i'm going to rest i'll watch the new japan thing from my airbnb yep um my girlfriend wants to do some, like, get some work done for school or whatever. Great. Yeah, so we'll do that. But, um, yeah, the thing, like, I was, the, one of the things I was hyped about for the New Japan show was that uh, Mayu Iwatami is still their uh, women's champion. Mm-hmm. But she's probably going to be on the stardom show that I'm already going to, so. There you go. Yeah, it's, uh, there's so much crossover in these uh, smaller companies, which is a perfect transition for our Hot Take Mania topic. Uh, fucking... Uh, a primer on indie wrestling. Hot take. Yeah. Mania. I think we'll take a break, mm-hmm. like five minutes, and then uh, we'll be back. Ba-da-ba-da-ba. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Wrestle Town. Wrestle Town. <laughs> and this is our 
main segment, Hot Take Mania. Uh, this week we wanted to offer a fucking primer on independent wrestling because, I mean, we're going to be going to WrestleMania and we're going to do a WrestleMania preview show. Um, we figure if we're going to spend a bunch of time on WWE, let's, like, you know, give some light to um, non-WWE wrestling, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of what you think of independent wrestling, man? Uh, the very first thing I think of for independent wrestling, especially in our area, is Beyond Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, we have been to shows at Somerville Armory, at Electric Haze. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to one in the back of a nightclub in Providence, which is even smaller than Electric Haze. So it was just the ring and people standing around it. Yeah. It was one of the best shows I've ever been to. Uh, that match, or that night, was headlined by the farewell match of Kimberly uh, on her way to NXT oh, yeah. versus uh, Donovan Dijak. Oh, I was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait. And then Hero uh, uh, and JT Dunn came out after? Because I think yeah. this was a... Di- you were there? I think so. Shit. I was there with John Barron. Oh, um, Anyway. Okay. We were both there. Um, so, like, the match happens. Kimberly beats Dijak, who yep. Dijak is basically going to be, like, if he stays healthy, like, the next yeah. WWE prototypical main eventer. Now that I think about it, maybe I went to... I just went to a different show that had yeah. Dijak in the main event. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think I, we went to the same venue for a Beyond show. Yeah, I mean, Dijak used to headline all the Beyond ones because he should have. Yeah. And um, so it was the farewell match for Kimberly before she went to NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, she wins. Shitbag Chris Hero comes out with JT Dunn as Death by Elbow, and they basically beat Kimberly down which yep. because they were god-awful. <laughs> so Dijak comes back out. They have a tag match where... They run an angle like an indie fed should run an angle where the owner of Beyond Wrestling or the head promoter goes to the door of the venue and says, you're not leaving and doing this in the street because you're not going to sue me. Get in the ring and fight. Nice. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so they do the tag match. Uh, Kimberly and Dijak beat Chris Hero and JT Dunn to send everybody home happy. After the show, um, I had bought a Death by Elbow shirt in Somerville, mm-hmm. and we were in Providence at the time. Um, with me, I had a flyer from an improv festival that I did in Richmond. And yeah. on the poster, someone took a photo of me wearing my Death by Elbow shirt, mm. which I wore it just not really thinking when I was in the show that night. But I brought the poster with me in the hopes that Chris Hero was going to be there. Right. So crowd leaves. Most of the rest is leave. Chris Hero's by himself. I go, okay, this is my chance just to talk to him and show them this cool thing. Yeah. So um, I walk up to him with the poster and I say, hey, great match tonight. Thank you for wrestling twice because mm. he had already wrestled the singles earlier. And he goes, oh, yeah, no no problem, man. How are you? What's your name? Just class act. And yeah. then I showed him the poster. I was like, um, I have a friend. His name's Ben Moser. He's from uh, Virginia. Or, excuse me, he's from North Carolina. He would kill me if I said Virginia. <laughs> um, like, can you sign this for him? He was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Because he was just happy I was wearing a Death by Elbow shirt. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank you. How much? He was like, it's free. Nice. Chris Hero. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yes, Cash is Ono now. Yep. Um Procedural then, yeah. Yep. That's like one of my favorite things about indie shows. Like, I've never, I've never been interested in meeting wrestlers, but like, I usually just skedaddle after a show. But yeah. like, at these things, you can you can go up and talk to everybody, and like, you know, get merch and pictures and shit. And that's like kind of access you don't get at the big shows. Oh yeah. Until recently, I had um, in my apartment four framed things hanging up. Mm. Three of them were black belt certificates. Yeah. One of them is a signed photo with a rock. <laughs> I don't have pictures of my family hanging up in my apartment. <laughs> I have a picture of the rock. Ah, you got them on your phone. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, but just in the vein of like meeting wrestlers, so yeah. we went to uh, Evolve. We went to Evolve 2023, yeah. and Up. it was headlined Velveteen Dream versus Orange Cassidy. Right. Ricochet was there in person, not wrestling, but there. Yeah. So... Um, he was supposed to wrestle, and then they pulled him at the last minute-ish. Right. Which, the Street Profits were great. All the matches were good. It was a good night. Right. But uh, our previous episode is all have partially about this. Yeah. So. so, and I think we talked about it then, but so I'll make this quick. Of, yeah. Ballpark, how long have you and I been in the Russell Friends thread with Brian Rock? A couple years. A couple years. years, yeah. So at least for that amount of time, six to eight months of it, Brian Rock's nickname was Ricochet's homeboy. Yep. Because Ricochet, in his all his NXT promos, calls everybody homeboy. Right. So I get to meet him, and I'm like, yep, no, this is this is the chance. How many times am I going to get to do this? Mm-hmm. Before Ricochet, I think, is going to take off and be just like a household name and gigantic star more than he is yeah, already. Yeah, and then you have to wait like three hours at a Cricket Wireless to get an autograph. <laughs> for $450 or whatever. Yeah. So for 30 bucks, uh, fucking steal. 
I got an 8x10 of him, and I was just like, the, the photo's cool, but I'll stick around. Mm -hmm. So I'm in line, I'm with my buddy Amancio, and I'm like three people away, and I see, <laughs> I see and hear Ricochet go, thank you so much, everybody, gotta go. <laughs> and I'm standing with the receipt in my hand that says 8x10 and, photo, and mm -hmm. autograph, and I'm like, what the hell is this? So thankfully, this guy who... Um, Full kudos to Evolve and Beyond, because they were total professionals about this. Yeah. Saw me, saw the thing I had in my hand, and goes, nope. Got Ricochet to come back. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, huge credit to them, because they didn't have to. They basically could have taken my money and been like, sorry, he left. Yeah. But, no, they got him back. And Ricochet, just very confused, was like, why am I here? <laughs> um, so I handed them the receipt, and even more confused, he gets handed a marker, and I go, to my homeboy... <laughs> Brian. <laughs> he goes, oh, all right. And I go, B-R-I. He's like, what? It was just like, B-R-I-O-N. He's like, yeah. what do you mean? It's like, that's how it's spelled. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, okay. So uh, when we go to Mania, we're going to see Brian, and yeah. I'm going to frame it, and that is a uh, gift. That yeah. is a gift. Yeah. I know. Like, beyond is good. Shout out to Drew Cordero uh, from Beyond, man. I'm excited for uh, what they're doing in Worcester in April. Yep. Uh, kicking off, like, some... Uh, uh, a show called Uncharted Territory that'll be weekly um, broadcast on uh, the internet, which is where independent wrestling lives, man. It's yep. amazing. We live in a fantastic time. Yep. Um, because, like, we we talked about this in our unaired pilot, um, but, like, back when we were just getting into wrestling, to get non-WWE wrestling, we'd have to tape trade yep. or download things off the internet, and yep. it was on slow, you know, internet speeds. Or um, probably sell our loved ones <laughs> on the black market right. to get a VHS tape of like some Japanese thing that um, has no context to it. And now everything's online, and it's amazing. You can get everything. Right. And that's what I. I it's a, it's a godsend. Yeah. You know. On our first episode, I I talked to you about how me and my brother used to stay up until three in the morning on Saturday nights to maybe see ECW yeah. because it was on Telemundo and it <laughs> yeah. wasn't always guaranteed to air every week. Right. So to go from that in like 1997, 1998 to 20 years later, anything we want really, yeah. as long as we just know how to find it or right. pay for it, much, much easier. Yeah, I know. That's like, I mean, I wouldn't, there was, there's not a chance that, uh, like I was watching uh, some Eve Pro Wrestling before yeah. you uh, came over to record this and it's just such a fantastic Show and the technology to, to like create good quality video right. is there now, and it's amazing. Like these smaller companies can just do that, like Beyond and Eve, and yeah. uh, pretty much everybody. Because like even I have a hard time watching old ROH. Yeah, you know when I'm even though I know the CM Punk Samoa Joe matches are classics. You know, five stars from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, you know amazing matches i just have trouble watching them because the the video quality is just so terrible right for the, an hour long match each of them the video the sound but more than that so i i want to loop back to something i mentioned earlier i sure. i can't i can't watch yeah. old ring of honor not mm. because it's not great it is oh, yeah. but it's great for reasons that don't appeal to me which mm. is to say I'm mad that i missed age of the fall because that's the type of long-term storytelling that i watch wrestling for yeah Jimmy Jacobs flipped from pop punk like pussy into incredibly vengeful angst like insanity driven violent psychopath. Yeah. And not only did that, did that with a stable of wrestlers, he flipped delirious from just like lovable goofball into murder machine. He is more or less responsible for all of like the big in in ring moments like be it by way of having Seth Rollins, who was Tyler Black at the time, mm -hmm. in the stable. So that angle gave birth to so many things. It, like, reinforced Austin Aries, right. like, underdog, heartthrob, face, fighting from the bottom underdog, and got over Delirious in a new way, got over Tyler Black, got right. himself over, and it, it, then it went away. He lost yeah. eventually. He was gone for a long, long time, and then they moved on to the other things. Like, eventually, and then it... I don't know all of Ring of Honor's like booking history and storyline history, but in parallel, Daniel Bryan's on top, mm -hmm. Nigel McGuinness is on top, right? Or they were at the end of their runs. CM Punk Probably and Samoa Joe yeah. were working. Yep. 
Um, Kevin Owens was about to be banned forever. Right. So they were laying the groundwork for him and uh, El Generico's long-term story. So, like, these, all of these, there's all of these threads yeah. that start to weave together. That That's why I love indie wrestling. Yeah. Is that they have to be compelling. Like, mm. Tommy Dreamer and Raven had to be compelling. Tommy yeah. Dreamer and Sandman had to be compelling. The Blue World Order had to be funny. Mm-hmm. Everything in, in an indie show is done with so much intention and emotion and investment that you absolutely get your money's worth. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a really good point because like, I don't think uh, that's not necessarily true of every Monday night or no. Tuesday night SmackDown because it's just like uh, I think the wrestlers in, on the indie scene have are you know they're investing in themselves. Yeah, they're much more involved in the creative prospect of uh, what they do. Which I think shows right. for sure. Um, whether the it's a random angle at a Beyond show or the comedy that I see on, on Eve or you know what the fuck ever, man. Right. Yeah. I mean, how many? It, it became running jokes because you and I are wrestling fans that just get through the slog of it. But mm. how many segments did we watch where someone was hawking something from Sonic, <laughs> like specifically? Uh, the running joke that Stroud makes on Up Rocks about Enzo Amore wanting to fuck a bucket of chicken. <laughs> well, he wanted to. Of course he did. And of course he got fired before there could be any payoff. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the fates were kind in that when Enzo popped up in the crowd of WWE with the I'm doing fine t-shirt, they didn't have a bucket of chicken to fuck. Yes, yeah. And honestly, if he kept it, kept it in his pants, he'd still have a job. Correct. Um, poor chicken. Yeah, <laughs> great for Liv Morgan. Yeah. She made it out. Yes. Um... God, uh, yeah, it's there's like, and I mean, there's just, uh, there's so much out there. It's hard to know where to start, but I right. think like, uh, just uh, was watch a lot of things are on free on YouTube, yep, which is hel- very helpful yep. in determining what to watch. Like I'm Chikara, Shimmer, yep, all these like companies, and like everyone, uh, because there's so much, there's a lot of markets for like these niche, yep. kind of things. Sorry, I moved my chair. I. I moved my chair and Keaton got skittish, but yeah, it's okay. Um, He'll come back. He will. Yeah, he loves both of us. He will. Like Beyond Wrestling will come back to our area. Yeah, and like it's a company I'm happy to give money. Like mm-hmm. their concessions is run by a, just a family. I yeah. forget it's Mama. I forget her last name, but all of the the food is cooked oh. on site by them. Yeah, it's all delicious comfort food that is portable. They were smart enough to have everything be self contained in like a sub roll or yeah. like a little paper thing. Right. And you can throw it away. The The genius decision, um, not the Melrose one that we saw, but the smaller ones, to just, like, instead of fuck with folding chairs, they just have people stand up. Yeah. Why not? I know. If you're going to sell more bodies and it's up to fire code, which I'm sure it is, then fucking yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, on that, uh, the seats are, like, the uh, VIP section. Mm. So if you want seats, you can pay more, which is smart. Right. I mean, I hate... I hate when they do like a. Sometimes you'll get a pretty uh, a packed day of like, say we've got to a couple um, Beyond and WWR Women's Wrestling Revolution co-branded yeah. shows that are like two shows in a day, and yeah. that is a lot of standing. Yeah, that that is a pain, but like it's a lot of bang for your buck too, which I think is amazing, and you get to see a lot of wrestlers before um, they get called up to WWE and. You know, maybe they lose some of uh, the rough and uh, punkish parts of their personalities that uh, give them a little bit more appeal. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I have one wrestler specifically who stands out for that reason mm-hmm. in the Beyond and the um, the WWR show. Mm-hmm. Chris Stat. Oh, um, yeah. I follow her very much on Instagram because she's an alien. <laughs> there aren't aliens. Yeah. she's Yeah, her... Uh, if you're not familiar, her gimmick is that she's an alien. Yeah. And she does some, like, mind control things with her fingers to that the other wrestler has to sell, and it's a lot of fun. And she's an amazing wrestler. Correct. Um, on top of that. Like, I, the last match I saw her in um, was against uh, Smiley Kylie Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was amazing. She didn't do any of the alien stuff. It was just a straight-up amazing wrestling match yep. between someone I've seen a couple times, and I had only seen Spiley Kylie that one time. Right. And it was amazing. And uh, the day after, I think that was like a day before their New Year's Eve show, but uh, Statler was like on was not promoted to be on their New Year's Eve show, 
But then when I went for, to the uh, discussion about the New Year's Eve show, everyone was unanimous that she was the highlight. Whatever she did, yeah. I have no idea, but whatever she did, yep. she was the highlight because she's great. And it, because I follow her on Instagram and because you get the chance to follow so many independent wrestlers mm-hmm. on Instagram, if you just scroll through like you would any account from the you know present day photos all the way to the beginning if you want mm-hmm. to, she has a lot of before and after photos of this was me before I chose to be a professional wrestler. This is like what my physique looked like, what my fashion looked like, what my body language looked like to professional wrestling alien. Mm. It's a fascinating transformation that you get to watch just almost like a flip book. Yeah. On top of the fact of everything that you said, she's an amazing wrestler. Right. I'm following her on Instagram now. Thanks would, for the tip. Yep. <laughs> if if you want that, and if you want just like daily smiley faces, uh, follow Jordan Grace. She can't stop smiling. Jordan Grace is amazing. Yeah. yeah she's great. Um, oh, my girlfriend Alyssa is a big fan of hers as well. Mm. There was like a stretch where um, I brought my girlfriend to a lot of independent shows, and there was a stretch for like the first four or five that we didn't go to a show without Jordan Grace on the card somewhere. She was right. like the only woman... On the New Year's Eve Beyond show that we went to, uh, she did like two matches at a WWR show that we went to. She somehow was part of a progress show we saw. Of course. It was in- crazy. And now she's with uh, Impact and um, probably killing her over there. On- yeah. She's, she's involved with the Alley and uh, Sue Young and Rosemary Angle. Right. But um, just because it bears to be said, there was one woman in All or Nothing's Battle Royal uh, last year who was mm-hmm. going to fight Jay Lethal on the card, and she, it was her. Yeah. And she was one of the last, I think, five people and had a legitimate chance of winning and got thrown out by Bully Ray because he's a piece of garbage. Yeah. yeah. Hooray, good booking. Yeah. But it's cool because you do get to see the get to get in on the ground floor of yeah. a lot of wrestlers. You know, I've, I've always seen this, but um, first independent wrestling show I went to, first match on that show was... Matt Riddle versus uh, maybe David Starr or somebody, but yeah. like it was Matt Riddle versus somebody mm-hmm. in a cage match, and now he's you know gonna be uh, contending for the North American title in NXT, and I've just yep. gotten to watch every step of his uh, evolution, and it's actually more or less most of his career because he's not been wrestling at all very long. No, but I got to see him like just opening in this tiny little ring in Somerville where the, I think the the cage probably would have fallen down if he'd kicked it, <laughs> like, with half of his strength. Right. It was just a cage that there was enough... The cage just hugged the ring. There was not enough room to really move around in the ring at all. And now he's doing the big time, essentially. Yeah. The first time I watched him wrestle, I hated him. Here's yeah. why. Okay. Um, I'm... I used to watch more reality TV shows. I used to watch The Surreal Life on VH1, and mm-hmm. so I watched good reality shows. I just watched reality shows. But one of them was uh, The Ultimate Fighter. Mm. So, <coughs> excuse me. Yep. So, I watched Matt Riddle on The Ultimate Fighter, and was just very weirded out by, he, he's he got red hair, he's got pale skin, um, and he had short hair at the time, mm-hmm. and he just didn't look like he took anything seriously, because he's a stoner dude. Yeah. He's just laid back. Right. Which I didn't get at the time, but it's part of who he is. So years later, when he fought in the UFC, he got popped for marijuana, because of course he did. Yeah. And he got released for it. Um, he popped up on the indie scene, and I feel like there's a lot of wrestler- there's a lot of athletes who try out pro wrestling because the first thing they tried didn't work out. Like, mm-hmm. John Cena was a bodybuilder in California before he became a pro wrestler. Yep. So there's plenty of footballers who also... Yep. Which, there's tons of stories about just his... His efforts before he became a wrestler, but more to the point of, like, Matt Riddle, I saw him in Somerville at the Armory, and I thought, uh, how, basically, how dare you? Yeah. In, in the way of just, like, you're trying to go into business for yourself. Yeah. Kind of in the way that I hated Baron Corbin at first, before right. I knew Baron Corbin was a jujitsu black belt. Yeah. I was like, okay, you can stay. <laughs> but Riddle, like, he's done tons of character work. We saw him, um... In Somerville, before he was the King of Bros, mm-hmm. he hadn't found his gimmick yet. Yeah, it works. He's the original bro now. He yeah. was the King of Bros. There's tons of bro-centric stuff, but he's a legitimate martial artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing Kempo Karate for 22 years, and it it's not up to me to say who is or isn't talented as a martial arts practitioner. Yeah, but there's little things that he does early enough in his career that Kurt Angle used to do. Right, instincts, moves, confidence, everything that people work at for years that he doesn't have to right. because he started as a martial artist. So 
he does things that Kotobushi does. He mm-hmm. does things that kickboxers do, that grapplers do, right. that make him stand out, which that's what makes professional wrestling in large part for me really great is the variety mm-hmm. and the complexity and the layering. He's yeah. a super engaging character, and he's a really good wrestler. Yeah, I know. It was weird to go from uh, me seeing that cage match, and then maybe the next time I went to an independent show where he was on the card, right. just everybody on board chanting bro at oh, him, and I was bro. like, I don't... Okay, well, I guess I'll give this guy another chance, and yep. he was amazing. One um, word, one syllable. And any wrestler who can figure that out, yes, no, yeah, it bro, True. yeah, it's a ticket to money. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, once he hits the main WWE shows, he's gonna make bank. Kids are gonna love him. The oh my, it, it's something that he did as absolutely just a way that is him mm-hmm. that like more people should have done. But if he's smart, he'll corner the market on it. They should sell Matt Riddle sandals. Oh, yeah, definitely. And as soon as he gets to the ring, kick him off into the crowd. Yeah. So that people, oh, like, in the same way that people take their shoes off for Zach Gibson, Mm -hmm. people should kick their sandals at the ring for Matt Riddle. He should get buried in sandals. Yeah. So that people also have to buy more sandals. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. Smart. I know. Even just, like, selling, like, you know, have him sign, like, 50 of them. Yeah. After selling at the, you know. Uh, the shows I mean cause, like we, we don't have to get into like the business logistics of yeah. it but it probably costs like 25 cents to manufacture a pair of sandals out of cheap stuff yeah. which you don't wear them to walk around in them you wear them to kick them off right yeah yeah it's good business sense man yep independent wrestling is the best and I mean oh man yeah and just one one thing just on merch I, th- I think we mentioned this on last episode yeah. but um I reached out to Orange Cassidy on Twitter to ask him if I could give him money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> continuing of this story? All right. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't responded. <laughs> but I just I, I just want to buy his shirt, and yeah. I can't. I know. And it makes me want it more. <laughs> I know. Eventually. I mean, hopefully in New York, we'll, we'll get you that damn shirt. I The... the the consumer in me wants me that to be true. The pro wrestler who wants to be part, the pro wrestling fan who wants to be part of the show, wants yeah. me to not. Yeah. So that the next time I go <laughs> to a show, I can try to get it. Yeah. Now I'm. Uh, I already know that uh, I'll be wearing my Greg is big now shirt, <laughs> my Tremperetta, um <laughs> merch because they're advertised for, or he and uh, Chuck Taylor advertised for a one minute match on that show. Oh my! You God. don't get that. Like that's the kind of like. Yeah. You know, but I think part of the reason we're both going to that Orange Cassidy show is because we know there's going to be some ridiculous shit that's going to be fun as hell. Yeah. I think uh, out of the matches that they've advertised, there's whatever the fuck Orange Cassidy does, there's going to be a, a regular match between John Gresham and I, I'm blanking on his opponent right now. Right. There's a one-minute <laughs> time yep. limit match between two guys. Uh, I think there's like a hardcore, quote-unquote, Yuletide-themed <laughs> match. Uh, um, in April. In March. In March. Or April. Or in April. Early April. <laughs> in springtime. I don't know. Like, if you can, you know, it's, like I said, there's niches. And we're both very into comedy wrestling, so we're going to get that. Yeah. And, like, you've done stand-up for years. I've done improv comedy for years. Yeah. And people can say whatever they want about, uh, like, how hacky or not prop comedy is. Yeah. And it works in wrestling. Yeah. Chairs are props. Right. Every yeah. weapon in wrestling is a prop. Yeah. And if it's done well, it becomes part of the characters. Yeah, prop comedy's okay if you're going to die doing it. Right. That's, that's my attitude. Yeah, I mean, freaking Flip Gordon can take a kendo stick wrapped in the flag and beat somebody with mm. it. Triple H can hit someone with a sledgehammer. Uh, Kota Bushi can wrestle a blow-up doll for eight minutes. Yeah, I went to a, a New Year's Eve Beyond show where the audience brought the weapons um, for them to use. And I've, obviously there was some, they vetted every weapon before they brought it to the ring. But somebody brought a, a menorah wrapped in barbed wire. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they used it. Yeah, they did. Someone, I, I've seen David Stark get bent over a keg yep. uh, on his back. Ugh, brutal, but, like, great wrestling overall. And I think I, I enjoy the artistic freedom that they get yeah. out there, just uh, doing whatever. Do we have anything to add about independent wrestling? Um... Go go support it. Come, yeah. Go to a show. Go Rick. to your local uh, local uh, wrestling company. Yeah. If they're good. There's some. I'm sure there's some shitty ones right. out there. We're very spoiled with yeah. um, what's going on in New England with Beyond and yeah yeah. I'm trying to wrap up the show because Keaton may have just pooped. Hey. And hey. is he? What's he doing? He's scratching. 
Okay, whatever. Something it doesn't look like he should be scratching. Yeah, he's probably just cleaning his closet. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, just indie wrestling. Um, go see your local shows. Bring yeah. money. Bring money to buy merch because the they're doing mercenary work. They yeah. only eat if you pay them. Some of these guys, I mean, they get paid by the companies. It's not to right. It's not to imply anything else. It's just that. But you gotta show your support. Right. Because you know? that's the best way to show somebody like. When we went to Evolve, I got mm-hmm. to tell pretty much every wrestler because they walk around after their matches. Yeah. Good job. Uh, yeah, I don't definitely. know how many chances they get. Like, I don't, I don't know AR Fox. I'm never gonna know AR yeah. Fox, but I got to tell him good job, and he was yeah. like, "Thank you." You'll never get like, yeah, I, I think um, I also was able to say that to AR Fox. Yeah, who's a, I'm a big fan of. Like you don't, you'll never get that chance with uh, someone in WWE. No, I think Switch. Roman Reigns isn't going to stick around, walk around the ring, and I'm going to get to say, "Hey, Roman, good job," or "Hey, Joe, good job." He's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say I like the up close personal stuff, man. Yep. That's why we do this. Ricochet is um, my homeboy. Yes. Um, forever. <laughs> Orange Cassidy. He's there too. <laughs> oh, he can't even muster <laughs> up a, a thumbs up. Yeah. Um, and this has been the Wrestle Down. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to Pat B for uh, the equipment that we're using to record this. Mm. And also uh, follow him at, at the Geek Down on Twitter. Yeah. I'm at Swing Dingling. Uh, Dennis is at Sensei Denny B. Yes. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you very much. Good night. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>